Hey guys, so I just wanted to say a few things before the start of today's show. Number one, I do sincerely apologize for the late release of this podcast. I've wanted to get back and do this show for a while, but as I tweeted about on Monday with school starting and other responsibilities, I just haven't been able to get to it. Uh, until today, which is Friday. So as you can see, both the AFC East preview, which is this show, and the AFC North preview are both in your feed right now, again, releasing on Friday. So I do sincerely apologize for that. I will get back to the regular schedule with the AFC South and West previews dropping this Monday. So you only have to wait a few days between the release of those. Both of these shows this week, the ones releasing on Friday, will be solo. But for either the AFC South or AFC West, I will have a great guest on so go check out those shows which will release on monday i will have my bold take on the afc north show to make sure so make sure to listen to that after this and um after monday the schedule obviously will change for the podcast with the start of the season i will be releasing one episode the monday afterwards previewing week one for fantasy football and then after that once the year starts i'll be doing two shows a week again one of them releasing on Tuesday and one of them releasing on Thursday. So like it was last year, the Tuesday show will have waiver wire, reactions, stuff like that. Thursday show, um, booms and busts, starter sit, various things like that. I haven't determined the exact format of these. And I, again, will try to get more guests on the show throughout the season. But that will be the format. And that is at least the tentative format for once the season gets started. So just wanted to let you guys know all of that. Thank you for sticking with me and waiting for this show. I do really, really apologize for the wait, but it's finally here. So uh, I hope you enjoy. Welcome back to another edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, here with you as always. And in today's show, episode 86, we're talking AFC East. After some news that has piled up in the absence of this show, we will be, I will be discussing the AFC East for fantasy football in 2021. This is a solo show, and you can also find the AFC North preview, which is a solo show, in your feed at the same time. So thank you for sticking with me with the late release. I do apologize for that, but the show is here. We've got a lot of news to talk about before we get into AFC East. So yeah, again, AFC North preview, you can find that in your feed. AFC South and West previews will release Monday. I will have a guest on one of those shows. So go check it out. Um, and yeah, let's just get started. So for news, got a few things to discuss. One of them actually relates to one of the teams we're talking about today. Dolphins coach Brian Flores has said he will use a three-man committee in the Dolphins backfield with Miles Gaskin, Malcolm Brown, and Salvan Ahmed. And I wanted to break this down a little bit. This is certainly important news. Miles Gaskin, for me, is still the clear leader of this uh, backfield, and I do want to clarify that right away. I moved Gaskin down to my RB24, though, and I know I, get, I definitely gave him a lot of hype throughout the offseason, and now I've sort of moved back down a few spots to where he was originally ranked. However, I don't think, or uh, not originally ranked, but ranked in consensus. However, I don't think that Malcolm Brown is going to take over this backfield. He never really took over the backfield in L.A. for a reason. I don't think Salvin Ahmed will take over this backfield. I think he has the better chance than Malcolm Brown. I think this will obviously be a committee, but Miles Gaskin will lead, and he can be efficient enough to give you some good weeks. So it'll be tough for him to get red zone opportunities with all these other guys there and so many pass catchers, but I still see Gaskin as, again, around my RB24. He's not a guy that you want to rely on as your RB2 
for by any means, but this doesn't completely tank his value either. And that's what I wanted to clarify. It's easy to panic when you hear this news, but Gaskin is not dead yet. He is still the best running back in this backfield. I don't see any doubt about that. Next piece of news, Travis Etienne done for the year with a midfoot sprain, a list Frank injury. Jacksonville Jaguars have put him on injured reserve. This ends his season. And obviously the big news that comes out of this, first of all, Trevor Lawrence doesn't get his uh, fellow first round pick at running back to have that chemistry with as they both came from Clemson. But James Robinson now steps into the lead back role. And I want to caution people before discussing James Robinson because I am higher on James Robinson than consensus. And that's what you might expect after hearing, or if you listened way back early in the offseason, I was adamant that James Robinson would still be good for fantasy and was a screaming value. I was wrong. And then I turned out to now maybe potentially be a little bit more right. But I'm not ranking James Robinson as high as I ranked him early in the offseason. And there are reasons for it. It's not just recency bias or anything like that. Obviously, Urban Meyer now coming in, new head coach, new coaching staff in Jacksonville, and Carlos Hyde has now come in as well. And while you may say, oh, I'm not, uh, Carlos Hyde isn't a threat to James Robinson, Urban Meyer has expressed his intent to use a committee, number one, by drafting Travis Etienne, number two, by saying that Carlos Hyde was their number two back ahead of Travis Etienne, which may just be coach speak, but they said they intended, Urban Meyer intended to use Carlos Hyde. So, and this is also going to be a more pass-heavy offense than it was last year with Marvin Jones coming in there. So, um, with LaVisca Chenault, DJ Chark, new quarterback and Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence could take some rushes, a few rushes here and there as well. So, overall, James Robinson is not going to be at the same level that he was last year. But he doesn't need to be to still be productive. James Robinson, without his 90-plus percent snap shares, can still be productive. Most running backs do not get 90-plus percent snap shares. And I think Robinson showed that he was talented enough last year to be efficient in not a limited role, clearly the lead back. But if Carlos Hyde takes some touches, if Trevor Lawrence throws the ball more, this isn't the end for James Robinson. And I actually found a nice little spot to uh, sort of slot him in in my rankings. I ended up putting James Robinson as my RB15. That is a few spots higher than consensus. So yeah, I do recommend you draft James Robinson. That's behind DeAndre Swift, who for me has the potential with his pass catching ability and his potential to have a clear lockdown on the workload to easily like exceed. To, he has a higher ceiling than James Robinson, essentially is what I'm trying to say. But my number 16 guy, J.K. Dobbins, is likely to see limited work in the passing game. He's likely to get some touchdowns vultured away by Lamar Jackson, some rushes vultured away by Gus Edwards, and he was ultra-efficient last year. That well, he, was, he can still be great, but that efficiency may go down. So I feel like James Robinson, slotting him in between those two guys is very reasonable. I think James Robinson will handle the bulk of the pass catching out of the backfield because they don't have anyone to catch passes other than Carlos Hyde, and James Robinson is the better pass catcher. I could see Carlos Hyde uh, stealing some goal line touches, stealing some rushes, but this doesn't mean James Robinson is bad. I'm going to keep him at my RB15 and um, excited for him next year as a value. He's RB19 on Fantasy Pros. So I'm not as all in as I was earlier in the offseason when I was admin before. I must, I believe it was before free agency. Could be wrong about that. And before uh, where James Robinson could, st- I was saying I figured he could still get the same workload he got last year. I don't believe that anymore. But even so, um, even, even so he still can be good and still can be a value. Uh, Sony Michelle traded to the Rams for two draft picks, uh, out of he's 
out of New England now. This gets a slight bump for Damian Harris, but honestly, not much. He's still Damian Harris is still going to have to compete with Ramondre Stevenson, who's had a good camp. Still going to have to compete with James White as the pass catcher. Still going to have to compete with um, J.J. Taylor, who actually now has a better chance to make the team, I suppose. But um, still, he and the Patriots. Bill Belichick likes to use a committee at running back, so this doesn't change Damian Harris much for me. It does, however, it, it, I mean, it, I guess it changes Daryl Henderson, but it doesn't change my ranking of him because my ranking of Daryl Henderson at RB 31 was always based on the fact that I thought they were going to go out and get another guy. I never expected Daryl Henderson to have the backfield to himself. And Sony Michelle is exactly the kind of guy where it's like, he's not good enough for me to be like, Oh, Daryl Henderson is no longer the lead back. I'm going to move him down. But he's also not like a nobody to be like, well, he's going to be competing with Xavier Jones and Jake Funk uh, for touches. No, Sony Michelle is the clear second option in this backfield. So Sony Michelle is my RB 45. Daryl Henderson stays put at RB31, and that does, honestly, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, it, it does satisfy me to know that my ranking of expecting them to sign someone paid off and to where, where everyone else was moving down Daryl Henderson, I get to keep him the same. That does feel good to have a mini victory lap there, but nothing has happened yet in the start of the season. I just don't think Daryl Henderson is that good of a running back. I think he's way overvalued at RB22. I think if you get a guy like Mike Davis, who has the I mean I understand Daryl if you get a guy like Mike Davis who has the backfield on lockdown obviously Mike Davis not that great of a running back either but you could also get a guy like Javante Williams who has a lot more upside I would take that Damian Harris uh, Raheem Mostert all of these guys I mean I just don't see Daryl Henderson I see Daryl Henderson being in a frustrating timeshare I see this team not relying on the running game which is why I even have him behind like Melvin Gordon and Zach Moss at RB31. I don't like Daryl Henderson next year. Um, last piece of news, Javian Hawkins released by the Falcons. Uh, I guess doesn't mean much. Hawkins obviously drops out of my rankings. There's not a guy I'm going after now behind Mike Davis. Hawkins was maybe a deep sleeper that I might grab in drafts, but now that he's gone, it's just Mike, Mike Davis for me. I'm not trying to go after a guy uh, and try to, pick like a late round stud out of this or not a stud, but a late round sleeper out of this backfield who could potentially break out because we just have no clue who it could be. If it can be anyone. So AFC East preview, let's go to that. Buffalo bills. We'll start off with, we got three questions for each team as usual. First question for the bills. Will Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs still be great? This is simple for me. Yes. Josh Allen drastically improved his completion percentage last year. His deep ball passing went way up. He's now my quarterback two that was subject to potentially change to quarterback three as I debate between him and Kyler Murray, which is a really tough debate for me. But Josh Allen is a stud. He runs the ball for a lot of touchdowns. And so he's going to be great. Stefan Diggs, same thing. Reception monster, great route runner. He's my wide receiver three next year. Go. Uh, they're both very, very, very good. Um, and they're going to be great again next year. Play at MVP levels or close to. What do we do with this running back room? Last year, Zach Moss showed some flashes, but I think it's clear to me that none of these guys are going to be too valuable, which is why my highest ranked running back out of this backfield is Zach Moss at RB30. Moss will lead it. Devin Singletary will get some touches, and Josh Allen will get nearly all of the goal line work, which caps the upside so much for these guys. I'm not going to start Zach Moss if it's going to be consistently 60 yards and no touchdowns. He's not always going to get to 60 yards either. This is not... And I, with limited limited pass-catching workload, he doesn't get the most receptions. It's not something I'm looking for, and I don't see high upside. I don't see 
how you can possibly rely on Zach Moss as a starting running back week in and week out. It's, it's just very, very limited upside. He might get you top 30 weeks here and there, but like, eh, it's not fun to draft running backs in that tier. I generally go, will go early with the running back and stay off the position for a while in favor of high upside receivers. Are there any other fantasy options in Buffalo? Eh, not really. You've got Cole Beasley there, who's a good receiver out of the slot. Beasley is my wide receiver 58. He can, he, he'll still catch some passes and have some startable weeks. Gabriel Davis has some upside, but uh, it's, it feels a little bit too inconsistent for me. He will have an opportunity to step in as the wide receiver three in this offense. Um, Dawson Knox hasn't proven anything to me, but the only other guy in my rankings is Cole Beasley at wide receiver. Or no, wait, excuse me. The, uh, actually, yes, the only guy... Other, Bill's wide receiver in my rankings other than that is Cole Beasley at wide receiver 58, although Gabriel Davis would be right on the cusp around 60. So he's pretty close too. I'm trying to think. Did I actually looking for a sec? I paused because I thought I had left Gabriel Davis in my rankings, but no, it turns out I didn't. Um, let's move on to the Miami Dolphins. How do we evaluate the running backs? I think I already discussed this in the news. So we can move on to, is this the year for Tua Tagovailoa to finally break out well, I mean, I shouldn't say finally because it's his second year in the league, but is it the year? He's set up well. He's got a good running game. He's got Will Fuller, who they added in free agency, Jalen Waddle, their first-round pick, um, uh, Mike Gesicki, Devontae Parker. Uh, this could be to his year. I, he's very talented. People loved him coming out of Alabama, of course, but he just has made some rookie mistakes and decision-making, not the great, greatest at times, had trouble moving the ball downfield. I don't have an official take on this, I would say. I think that Tua is set up in a position to succeed. I'm pretty 50-50 on whether he will. But, I mean, for me, seeing his inconsistency in year one does make me doubt that he will be able to do better in year two because it's not – this isn't the age anymore as much where quarterbacks can just have bad years and then develop to being good. That rarely happened before, and it's now more rare. Uh, I feel like the team may move on from Tua pretty soon although I, I, he's still talented he has a great arm he could still be good which pass catchers could be notable for Miami there are some obviously Miles Gaskin will catch a few balls but uh if we want to talk wide receivers it's Will Fuller for me at wide receiver 28 he'll he's being suspended for the first game of this season but I think Will Fuller has a lot of upside and he could the, the thing about Will Fuller compared to the guys behind him like Brandon Cooks why you maybe ask why would I have Will Fuller ahead of Brandon Cooks well Brandon Cooks is consistent and safe, but Will Fuller has a top 15 and top 12 season in the cards. If Tua can break, have like a sort of a, a, a resurgence or not resurgence, but have a really, really good season, Will Fuller will be the top option, presumably. And he's so explosive. So he can, if he can stay healthy, he could potentially be a top 12 receiver. There's just so much risk and so many other options here. Like, for example, Jalen Waddell who I have wide receiver 56, Devontae Parker at wide receiver 54. I'm not drafting Jalen Waddle. I think he's going to be more of a gadget guy, too inconsistent to trust week to week. Same with, I mean, Devontae Parker won't be a gadget guy necessarily, but there's just too many weapons there for me, especially with Preston Williams as well, Mike Kosicki underneath. He's not going to be consistently trustworthy, and he wasn't with Tua last year before they even added Fuller and Waddle. So not happy. I wouldn't be happy to draft him either. Tight end, Mike Kosicki, tight end nine. I think there's some upside here. Tua showed a willingness to rely on Mike Kosicki last year, but this could be a lot like a Logan Thomas situation where with the addition of a, a field stretching receiver in the Washington case quarterback, 
Uh, Tua pushes the ball downfield to Will Fuller, and uh, Mike Kosicki doesn't end up being as good, which I could see happening. Um, let's move on to the New England Patriots. Well, which is Damian Harris a value right now is the first question. And I actually have to look up the rankings for this because I, I was going to pull them up and I'm pulling them up right now, but um, I actually don't exactly know where he's ranked. He's ranked at RB28 on Fantasy Pros and half PPR. My ranking for Damian Harris is RB25. So I would say he's a little bit of a value. Uh, we know Mac Jones has gained some ground on Cam Newton in this quarterback competition. And this sort of transitions into the other question where how does the QB situation impact the offense? If Mac Jones starts, Damian Harris will get more goal line carries and more receptions. So he could even move ahead of maybe a Miles Gasker and even a Mike Davis for me. If Matt, we know Mac Jones is starting week one. If Cam starts, Cam doesn't throw to the running back that much and Cam will run the ball in. So that puts Damian Harris as more of like in the tier of like Ronald Jones, Raheem Mostert, guys like that. So it's hard to determine uh, what I think about him yet. I, I don't think Newton starts the whole season, but we'll have to see. So I would say he's a slight value, but not anything crazy. And he could be, if you think Mac Jones is going to start, go ahead and grab Damian Harris where he's going. You're getting a starting running back. Wisp, but then again, Ramondre Stevenson is having a good camp. I could see Ramondre Stevenson having a late season surge and just, um, he, I could see him having a late season surge and being a rookie, maybe take over or light the world on fire. And um, yeah, he could be, he could be very, very good. And then Damian Harris, there's a lot of uh, not, there's a lot of concern about his potential upside. That's what I'm trying to say. Which pass catchers, if any, should be taken in the New England offense? This is a hard one. I'm not, I'm not doing the James White thing anymore with Cam Newton in this, on this team. It's just not worth it because he doesn't really have any upside. At wide receiver, I may not have a – oh, boy. Wow, that's shocking. I don't have a single New England wide receiver in the top 60. I think that's the only team to where that's the case. With Nelson Aguilar, with Kendrick Bourne, with Jacoby Myers and a Cam Newton-led offense, again, if Mac Jones starts, maybe I'll put in Nelson Aguilar, but – with Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry there too, and a Cam-led offense, there's no way I can put any of these in the top 60 because I don't know whether it's going to be Nelson Aguilar or it's going to be Jacoby Myers. I, there's no way to know, basically. If looking at tight end, I guess, like most people, I would prefer, uh, excuse me, Johnny Smith over Hunter Henry. I have them at 19 and 20. They're pretty close for me. But again, I'm not, there's not a, much upside with the dual tight end um, room. So, it's hard for me to take one of them. Last division, or last team, New York Jets. Can Zach Wilson be this year's Justin Herbert? Yes, he can. If you've listened to the podcast throughout the offseason, you know that Zach Wilson is my quarterback one in this draft class, talent-wise. My evaluation of him, oh boy, oh boy, he's electric. And he's been having a great preseason. So I don't want a prematurely victory lap, but kind of do. So be quiet haters you see how Zach Wilson's now rising up people's boards and he can be great yeah he's going to be great and this is why I love Corey Davis Corey Davis has been a guy that's been flying up the board I've loved seeing his connect I generally avoid bringing people up just because of training camp connections but seeing Zach Wilson play so well really keeps my confidence that he'll be a good quarterback and could be right away so Corey Davis has flown up to wide receiver 35 which makes him one of my favorite fantasy values next year oh boy I didn't realize where he was ranked. He still is one of my favorite fantasy values, but Corey Davis's fantasy pros is wide receiver 39. So uh, there you go. He's been rising up in a lot of people's rankings, but somehow I'm even higher on him. 
than fantasy pros. I thought he was in the 40s or the 50s like he used to be. The days of Corey Davis being a value are not gone, but it's not like you're going to get him at that super cheap price again either. I like Elijah Moore as well, electric receiver, wide receiver 40. I think it's now less likely than I thought before that Elijah Moore takes over for Corey Davis as the wide receiver one at the end of the year. But even if he doesn't, there's plenty of room in this Jets offense. They don't have much of a running game. As much as I love Tevin Coleman, they don't have much of a running game. And um, it's not it, – it'll be a lot of attempts. And both of these guys can be good is what I'm trying to say. Speaking of the running game, would I rather have Michael Carter or Tevin Coleman next year? If you listen to the podcast, you know, I would rather have Tevin Coleman. I'm taking the veteran, the guy who's done it before, over the fourth round rookie shot in the dark. Tevin Coleman will start the season at the starter. I'm relatively confident he will end the season as the starter, which is why I have him ahead of Michael Carter. One of them's going way later than the other two. So if you're basic, if you think view them basically the same, which is also reasonable, take Tevin Coleman later. Don't go after Michael Carter just because he's a rookie. That unknown upside comes with an unknown downside. And fourth round rookies have been proven by statistics and analytics to have very, very little unknown upside. Almost none of them end up having any sort of success in the NFL. They either drop out almost immediately or we just become backups. So Tevin Cole, which wide receivers should we target on the New York Jets? Corey Davis and Elijah Moore, my two guys, Elijah Moore is still, if you want to value in this wide receiver room, go grab Elijah Moore, who's sitting at the wide receiver 58. I think there's a gap between Corey Davis and Elijah Moore that I didn't really necessarily view as a gap a couple of weeks ago. There definitely is one, but not 23 spots. That's a difference between like 10th round and 16th round or 14th round. That's a lot of difference for a guy who playing out of the slot in college was incredible, has great hands, great route running, great explosiveness. I mean, this is all you could want on a wide receiver, really. I mean, the fact that Elijah Moore was constantly rising up draft boards from a third and second round pick to being most, a lot of teams as wide receiver four just shows, like, when if you watch this film, anyone who watches this film is happy with what they see. I haven't heard of a single person who watched Elijah Moore's film and was like, nope, now I'm down on him because his film didn't look good. What happens is people get hyped for Elijah Moore by watching the film. He's going to be good. And Zach Wilson's going to be good too. This is a really exciting connection for me. I have Elijah Moore. Uh, I guess I have him in SFB, if I'm remembering correctly. I also have him in Dynasty. So two leagues for Elijah Moore. And I really hope he breaks out, for both for my SFB team and for the guy. He's great. Um, so, yeah. That's it for this show. Go check out the other one in your feed. Um, again, AFC South and AFC West shows also drop on Monday. Go check out the AFC North uh, show in your feed. And by the way, some breaking news. My guest for Monday has agreed to go on the AFC West show. So uh, stay tuned. Thank you for listening, everyone. We will see you next, or I will see you next time.